Welcome back to the Writer's Advice episode, everyone. I am so excited to share another, another really great guest with you and just dive into all the inspiration and more than that, the advice and the action. And hopefully this gives you a little bit of just... I don't know, just just those really feel-good vibes if you need a moment to step away from your writing, if you need um, to feel seen and heard and to, um, it's almost like a chat with another author. So I'm very, very excited to share this episode with you. I also have some more exciting advice, uh, not advice, I have some exciting information that I cannot wait to share with you. And it is, that's my really um, pathetic drum roll. I need something better than that. <laughs> um, my brand new book is coming out very soon on the 25th of October and today right now is the first time that I am widely speaking about this so thank you for listening in my brand new book is called manifest so it is a new adult YA book that is all about friendship and life and um, the journey that it takes us on, essentially, it is a very coming-of-age story. It's a rom-com. It's a feel-good. I like to say it's Legally Blonde meets Abraham Hicks. It's the Australian um, rom-com chick flick movie that you didn't get when when you were young um, growing up in the 90s or if you're young now and you just want to dive into something really fun. It's... Um, it's a really great adventure and I'm going to be sharing so much more on this in the coming weeks. But if you want to learn any more about it, you can also join my Patreon um, subscription. So you, if you join um, my Patreon, you get a couple of chapters of each of my books before it actually launches. So you get three chapters, um, two to three chapters a week of every up and coming book and it's only six dollars a month and when you do join you get my whole backlist as well so you know you can read as much as you want during that time um for the month or or stay and join and um see everything else that I have got coming up as well you can also pre-order manifest now up on my website oliviahillia.com or you can just grab the first couple of free pages that is on my website as well um which I will put in these show notes if you want to know more about the book if you want to know more about the podcast if you want to chat to me about absolutely anything I am mostly active on Instagram which is at oliviahillia author and I cannot wait to chat with you there about all things writing and more but right now I'm going to show you a I'm going to share with you a really great episode um with a very exciting author so let's get into it writer's advice is a point of connection a dose of inspiration and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books I'm your host Olivia Hillier each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back, listeners. I'm very excited because this week on the Writer's Advice podcast, we are joined by Sean Wilson, who is hot on the launch of his brand new book, Gemini Falls. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. 
Now, I'm going to start the podcast with the same question that I start everyone with. When was the first moment that you realised that you were a writer? Um, I think that probably happened quite late for me compared to a lot of people. I mean, I, I listen to podcasts like this, these kinds of conversations and I'll hear some people say, you know, when I was seven years old, I wrote a poem and I realised that I was going to be a writer and it just wasn't like that for me. Um, I grew up in the kind of the outer suburbs of Perth. There wasn't really um, any kind of model for me as a writer. You know, there's, I, I read books when I was little and I was really interested in books. I got the kind of usual books that people give boys like Treasure Island and Kidnapped and Hardy Boys. And, you know, I devoured those and I was always interested in stories, but being a writer was never really something that was on my radar. I think it wasn't until I left home and I started reading a little bit more widely and there were books that really, um, you know, moved me and did something to me. And I started to think, you know, I'd kind of to be able to do this. And I started to break down what it is and learn more about writers. But to me, when I was, when I was younger, writers were, you know, people from the past or people in big cities. It wasn't really people from my neighborhood, you know, people from my neighborhood, some of them went to the, AFL, you know, there were sports role models, but there weren't really arts role models. So I think it did definitely come later for me. And it wasn't until, um, I guess, my late teens that I started to really uh, think about doing this. And then there were a lot of really awkward stories um, for a very long time before I wrote anything that anyone would want to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how did that moment come to you when you're like, okay, I'm going to start like playing around with this art essentially particularly if there isn't um you touched on role models and I think that's like really important for people because I I like it's like an expander if you see someone else doing it it's kind of like that oh okay so this is possible and it, it makes it more realistic was there anyone that like popped up into your life or how did it all come together it's probably a bit embarrassing to say but um I started to read you know beat poets and writers uh and maybe I'd seen a movie about um that kind of beat culture of the 50s late 50s New York um and I think I was at the right age where that seemed like a really romantic notion and living in a big city and um living in a cold water flat and just eating crumbs and writing all the time seemed like a really romantic thing I would not want that now but um <laughs> I started to learn more about them and you know that kind of Greenwich Village uh, life. And I think that that was strangely, even though it was so far in the past and so far removed from what I knew, that was kind of like the romantic vision that I had um, of being a writer. And I mean, it's very far from what I am now. And it's, um, it's not exactly the kind of lifestyle that I would want to lead now, but I think that that was where um, I was, that was what I was attracted to initially in the, in terms of being a writer. But I really think that writing and being a writer are two very separate things. Um, and I'm more interested now in writing than I am in being a writer. Like I'm, I'm many different things, just like everyone else. And I think that being a writer is just one of the things that I am, but the, actually the craft of writing and um and trying to excel at it and trying to understand more about it and how to move people through stories. I'm interested, I'm more interested in that than being a writer these days. Yeah, it's the process and you love doing what you're doing. So you're enjoying 
the process more of that. Like that's that's the beauty in it. I absolutely love that. So you started out as a playwright. How did how did you move into into that? Uh, I did initially start out writing short stories, okay. um, yeah. and I think that that's probably uh, common with a lot of people. You know, short stories are manageable. They're um, you know, you start after the start and you end before the ending. You don't really have to construct a complete story, just sort of learning how to um, sort of develop characters and come up with ideas and epiphanies on work. And um, I think at a certain point, I got a little bit bored with doing that or I wasn't really getting any better at that. And um, that was probably around the time when I started to get really interested in theatre and going to theatre a lot more. Um, and especially seeing the works of Arthur Miller, I think um, really inspired me to, again, I had to find the kind of person that uh, their work really spoke to me and like the early plays of Arthur Miller really spoke to me. And then I started to think, well, maybe I could do this. And uh, an idea of writing something for the stage and having people perform it um, was really enticing. I haven't really had that yet. I mean, I've written a lot of plays and I've, had some interest and I've had some conversations I was shortlisted for a prize but I haven't actually had anything on stage yet and so um, I think I wrote I wrote four plays before I started trying to write a novel. Um, writing a novel I think was just a very daunting prospect for me for a long time. Um, the idea of writing 80, 90,000 words just seemed impossible for me but then at a certain point I'd written these four plays and if I added them all up, if I added up all the words, I would have a novel. And so I think that that was kind of epiphany for me. I just uh, realized that, you know, if I just, instead of writing four different plays, I had have written a novel in that time, I would have got it done. Um, and so I thought it seemed more achievable to me at that point. So, um, and I had learned a lot about dialogue and character development and telling a story from beginning to end, which I hadn't done before. I, started writing plays um, and so it all just the pieces were there finally and it didn't seem as daunting um, and so I wrote one novel manuscript that uh, I sent around and I got an agent um, and then I spoke to uh, a phone press about it um, but at that point uh, I had tried to keep the momentum going and I'd started another book um, I started another manuscript which is Gemini Falls uh, and at that point I maybe was 40 or 50,000 words in I was just sort of keeping the momentum up from that first manuscript uh, and when I spoke to Martin Hughes at Firm Press I told him we were initially talking about that first manuscript that my agent had sent him and I told him about the Gemini Falls story and he was really interested in that so um, he thought that that one was the one to put out first so I had to finish the set manuscript before I could get something out so that's where we are that's a definite way to keep the momentum going especially when you know when yeah. you that, that, now you have to finish it like now you have to to keep it going oh I know yeah <laughs> now it where was quite incredible you... actually he um sorry keep oh, going sorry, go ahead oh no I was just going to say that um uh it was pretty incredible he took a big punt on me I think I mean there's definitely um a lot a big gamble that publishers take on that they take when they um work with a debut author but 
especially in my case, he'd seen one manuscript which he really liked, and then I just told him about the other book that I was writing. I think I sent him three chapters uh, through my agent, and then we had another chat about it, and then he just said, "Go for it. We'll uh, we'll sign you." And so he didn't have a complete story. I'd told him. I think I maybe sent him a one-page synopsis of where the story was going. Um, but yeah, he took a really big gamble on me on that. Oh my gosh, but it, it is the most beautiful story. So I'm really glad that he did take that gamble and that it is now being shared with the world. I'm Thanks so, so interested though, as to how your ideas come to you. Like when you're like, when, when is it for you that you're like, no, that's, that's the story that I'm going to run with? Yeah, I don't, I'm, I don't know what it is with other people, but I have a lot of ideas and most of them are pretty bad and I do jot them down and I, I think, you know, this could be a short story, this could be a novel, this could be a play uh, and I um, have this trailer board where I'm just keeping them all and I'm uh, constantly going back and thinking about them but for the most part they just stay there and I think it's the ones that just stick in my mind a little bit longer that are the ones that are worth pursuing, the ones that I'm just thinking about a bit more and, um, and especially the ones where um, characters start to come out and start to become real to me and then a big part of why I want to write is to explore social issues as well so the ones that are, there's something that I'm really passionate about so for Gemini Falls for instance I'm interested in people who um, have been displaced through economic hardship in that time period in um, the Great Depression because I think there's a lot of parallels between then and now um, there's also you know, some family history there in the stories that I've heard about my grandparents, the the way they lived in that time period. So I think all of those things start to, uh, I guess, join together and start to snowball. Uh, and then it feels like that's the one to pursue. But then there's so much work from that point onward. Uh, that's just sort of getting you interested in it and getting an idea of where it could be going. Um, it's very much a... Um, yeah, it's something small and fragile at that point and it really needs to it needs some time and you need to sit with it for a long time and start to break down you know what actually happens in this story and where is it going to go and what are the people going to do what's the conflict um what's in it for the readers because that's very important um so all of those things have to happen later yeah 100 percent. so you're a you're someone who's you just let it it's almost like you just let it come to you like you let it you let it come out you like you know play play with an idea here and, and kind of let literally the characters show themselves to you essentially I do before I start writing but um uh I'm not one of those um, people who just start writing and let the story develop as they're writing the first draft um I think um I think about it for a long time before uh, I settle on the idea of doing the story but once I do then I outline to death I am um, I, I want to break down the story. I want to understand everything about the characters. I want to know where the story is going, how it starts, how it ends, what the major conflicts are before I even start writing. Because I just know that if it's difficult in those early days of writing the first draft, I'm going to abandon it because I've done it before. Yeah. Um, so I need to be really confident that this is a story that I can write and I know where it's going. And also that, you know, when I sit down to write, I'm not having to use that part of my brain to try to work out what happens next. If I know what happens next, it's really um, 
I like to think of it as, you know, with, um, with painters often do uh, studies of a work before they get the big canvas out and start working on the final piece. And so to me, kind of outlining and asking those questions is like doing the sketches beforehand. But when I sit down to write, I want to just be focusing on getting the colours right, if that makes sense. So I want to be... Yeah, I want, I want to be focusing on the details and get lost in it and just let my imagination go because I'm confident I know what I'm writing um, and just get the colours. Absolutely. You explained that so well. Um, I do want to dive into one concept of Gemini Falls. Before, before I do, you might want to give like a little bit of a um, little teaser or synopsis about Gemini Falls to, to the listeners, if that's okay. Sure, yeah, I'd love to. Um, okay, so Gemini Falls, uh, I explain it as a novel where the mysteries of the universe meet the mysteries of one small mining town. Um, so uh, it's a story, a coming-of-age story set in the early years of the Great Depression in Australia. Um, at the start of the story, a young woman's been murdered in the small coal mining town of Gemini in the foothills of the Victorian mountains. Uh, and we meet 13-year-old Morris Turner, so he's a young boy who's obsessed with the stars. Uh, he lives in Melbourne with his father, Jude, and his older sister, Lottie. Um, and they travel out from Melbourne to Gemini, the town where his mother and father were from. But they left a long time ago before Morris was born um, under very mysterious circumstances. His mother died when he was young um, and he knows almost nothing about her. And so this trip out to Gemini is sort of a way for him to discover more about his father and his mother and his, and their past. Um, he meets uh, some family that um, he'd never met before and he teams up sort of with his, um, with his cousin and his cousin's friend to start to look into the murder. So his father Jude is a detective and he's been assigned to the case, but the kids start looking into them. Um, into the case themselves. The townspeople are pretty sure that the people to blame are the um, displaced people, the people who've um, moved into town and are camping on the outskirts, um, looking for work and trying to survive. But the kids think there's more to the case and they start looking into it. And some secrets come to the surface um, about the people there and secrets from the past um, that leads to someone else fighting for their life. Yeah, and it is honestly such a such a page turner. Like it, you, you really do hook people right in. So I'm I'm so excited. Um, just for the listeners, we are recording this just briefly before the book is out, so everyone will be able to read this when this is out. But that's what I'm saying. I'm excited for everyone's feedback. But it's it's um it's going to be me really too. great. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the what I really wanted to ask you about, I like. Because you like you're talking about and you've spoken about history before. How much research goes into trying to bring like that period to life of the of the 1930s? Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, uh, I hope I've done it justice. Uh, I guess readers will tell me whether or not I have. Um, I did do a lot of research before I um, started writing the first word of the manuscripts. I, I read a lot of personal histories. Um, I think it's very important to get the details right, but to also try to understand how people were living back then, which you really don't get from just looking at Wikipedia and finding out what was happening on this day in 1930. Um, so I read a lot of um, 
histories about uh, the time period people were talking about, what was happening in their lives and where they were living and how they were living, which was really eye-opening and gave me a lot of perspective on you know, the stories that, just the snippets of stories that I'd heard about my family and how they lived in the depression. So that was great. And I probably could have gone on reading those forever, but at a certain point you have to go, okay, the research part is over and I actually have to start doing some work now. So it was a really pleasant experience, even though it's a very difficult um, period in people's lives. Um, But there was a lot of joy in those personal histories as well. Obviously, incredible hardship one of the hardest times um, for people in our history but also people helping each other and people making the best of things and um, and being out in nature as much as they can and you know um, making toys out of whatever was on hand and those kinds of things there was almost sort of like a simplicity to life because of um, the circumstances that came through in those personal histories so that all of that was really valuable to get a perspective on the good and bad of the time period and how people were living. And then obviously you really have to um, try to understand some details as well. So I remember having to look up how many people had cars back in 1930, because it's really not yeah. something that I that I knew, you know, like were people driving around or did most people have horse and car? And so I remember looking up um, statistics on the um, ABS website at one point to find out, you know, how many people had cars in this time period. So you get really stuck into those details at certain points when you need it for the story. Um, But I think the focus really um, for me was trying to understand how people lived and then just the details that I needed to get the story across. Because for the most part, the books that um, and plays and films that I really like, even if they're historical, uh, it's... um, it's universal stories that are the ones that we're interested in. So it's, you know, it's love and grief and loss and wonder and joy, all of those things. It doesn't really matter where in history you are. Um, those things are important regardless. So I think trying to focus my mind on that as much as possible and not get stuck in the details for too long. Cause I could, you know, try and prove to people that I'd read a lot and just <laughs> have pages and pages of, explanation about how the world was back then you know really dry stuff I could definitely have done that um but I don't want to read that kind of book and I don't want to write that kind of book yeah 100% it's like bringing bringing that error back to life but but you you still read it for for the story and and how you relate into the the characters and the emotions of it so yeah what initially started you like what initially started the craft for you so like what type of courses and um things have you done to to learn yeah learn the general craft in in your process yeah I'm um I'm self-taught so I I didn't study at university um which I think that could definitely be valuable and definitely from the perspective of um getting up a routine in writing I'm sure that that's really valuable but I just am the kind of person that just wants to learn those things on my own. And yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts um, now, but um, I also read read books about craft and um, have taken a couple of online courses and things like that that I've, um, that I've thought were valuable and just sort of piece things together over time. I think what some things that have been really instructive have, have been um, podcasts and 
uh, and work online workshops and things with screenwriters and playwrights mm. because um, the, that kind of craft is really just about the story itself. So there's a lot that goes into a novel that doesn't go into a screenplay or a play. You know, you're describing place and you're um, trying to create images in people's minds. You don't really have to do that when you're writing a script. You know, you, you let the director and the um, performers do a lot of that work. And so um, when you when you learn from, I guess, screenwriters and playwrights, they're really just talking about character arcs and they're talking about how to structure a story and they're talking about how to make dialogue work and how characters relate to each other and how to develop conflict and have relationships change over time and all of that fundamental stuff I think is really valuable um, and so that has been really helpful and then I think I haven't maybe to my detriment haven't learned as much about how to describe things on the page in a novel but I guess I've just sort of picked that up by reading over time and um, and trying to improve. And I suppose the first draft is always a little bit bad in that respect. Uh, I think I get the dialogue pretty well in the first draft, but the descriptions can be a little bit wonky and I can use far too many similes and I often use the same kind of imagery throughout and I get a little bit repetitive, but I guess that's what editing's for. You yeah, exactly. come back and you fix all that up later. So um, I think that's probably where I need to get a little bit better, at least for my own sake. So I don't spend quite so much time and my editors don't spend so much time trying to fix all of that uh, up later. I could definitely improve at that. But I think, yeah, to answer your question, it's been really valuable to learn from screenwriters and playwrights about how to do dialogue and how to do character development uh, and all of that structural stuff, which I think is really important. If you want to tell a story that has a plot where um, characters and relationships change in the course of your story, which are the kinds of stories that I want to read, um, then all of that's really valuable. Yeah, I, I, I've spoken to a couple of different screen and playwriters and I've been so genuinely interested in that side of things because I I didn't start off that way um but if you really nail the I'm like I'm like oh but I feel like if I went to start a play I'd want to explain too much because I like learned the other way and and was the opposite where if you really nail dialogue though you can get so much like of the character and the emotion and exactly who that that person is um so I find that that really interesting to learn that way as well. But no, I only ask you that question because I was wondering if you did have any, um, even if you do have any podcasts or any particular books or anything that you would recommend to up and coming writers who are listening in now on their journey. Yeah, sure. Um, there's a screenwriting podcast that I really love called Script Notes, and that's been really valuable. I think they've done hundreds of episodes at this point. Uh, they do a lot of industry kind of episodes that would only be interesting to people who really want to be a screenwriter but they do a lot of craft episodes as well and that's been really helpful um there are so many i I hear a lot of people talk about stephen king's book on writing which i think is great yeah um and i think really helpful to uh, just sort of a reassuring um around your shoulder sometimes to think well 
you know, this is a best-selling author and um, and he struggles with these things and he thinks about the same kinds of questions. So it helps with that kind of imposter syndrome, I think, works like that. And there's a few more that I've read, which are really helpful. There's one called um, Bird by Bird, I think it's oh, called. Oh, yes, um, yeah. Yep. Which is another similar, similar book about how to be a writer and how to just... Um, survive while you're trying to do this really difficult thing um but I guess if I could get really um a little bit wanky for a moment I would recommend people read poetic <laughs> I would I mean it's, it's really bad to name drop an ancient philosopher in a podcast but no, um, I, I, would recommend, <laughs> I would recommend poetics by Aristotle yeah um, so a lot of screenwriters um swear by poetics I guess the kind of lessons in in that work and it's a really short read it's only you know probably like read it in half a day easily uh and there's a lot in there that's really not relevant now there's a lot about ancient greek theater which um, isn't quite so relevant but some of the fundamental ideas you can really see how story develops from that place um and so the one idea that i really think about a lot is this idea he um has of pity, fear, and catharsis. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. Please tell me. Oh, <laughs> right. So um, it's probably self-explanatory. Um, he says that the really, the great stories or the great drama um, takes audiences or readers, um, however you want to think about it, um, on a journey through pity, fear, and catharsis. So if you think about pity, um, you have to create believable characters that... Um, the audience and readers resonate with and they've got to sort of latch on to those characters especially the main character in order to want to follow them through the story and then you've just got to make life hell for them uh, through conflict so you've got to throw obstacle after obstacle and uh, pit characters against each other and and that's where the fear comes in once they are attached to the character once they pity them um then they feel fear for them as you move them through the story. Um, and then ultimately in the resolution, there should be a moment of catharsis through the story. So that's the, I think he talks about the purging of emotions and that's, you know, when you cry at the end of a story or when you, um, when you really feel for the characters as their relationships um, mend at the end of the story, the audience or the reader um, can purge the emotions um, that their own personal emotions through the story. So it's sort of like this safe space where you can um, feel for someone that you resonate with as if that person is yourself. And as they go through the story, uh, you feel fear for them and then you can purge your own emotions through uh, the resolution in the story. So I think about that a lot when I'm writing a story, I can, get a story where the characters are believable and authentic and um, are the kinds of characters that someone wants to stay with and then if I've got enough conflict and uh, there's enough fear uh, through the story and if the story resolves in a satisfying way I think fundamentally you've got to have that in order to have a satisfying story. Absolutely. I have never heard of that before. And it is, that is literally like the hero's journey explained in three words. Like that is, that is perfect. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. I need to write that down and put that up somewhere. That's amazing. Um, 
Awesome. Now, can you please tell us what, I mean, you've just launched this book, so like no big, um, no pressure, but I was, uh, what's next for you? Is it, is it the first novel? Do we, are we going to see that later on as well at some time? Yeah, I don't know how to describe that novel because to me that that's the first one, but it's just a manuscript um, and really Gemini 4 is the first one. So yeah. I'm going to confuse myself and everyone else if I call that the first novel. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, that, that one will be my second novel. Um, so I, I haven't touched it in a long time and I wonder how it is, how I feel about it at this point because, you know, um, the process of writing Gemini Falls was a year from when I started the research to when I handed in the manuscript and then a year from handing it in to getting it out. So it's been a long time, I guess it's been two years since I've even looked at that other manuscript. Um, and I wonder how I'm going to feel about it, but I know there's going to be work to do on that. So um, after, yeah, after Gemini Falls, I'm going to put some time into trying to make that better. Uh, and I think there's probably a lot that I've learned through this process of um, going through, especially going through the editing process with Gemini Falls that I can um, bring as a more mature writer to that other manuscript and hopefully make that one better. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. I'm excited for everyone to get their hands on Gemini Falls. Um, if anyone wants to get in contact with you or learn more about you, where is the best place to get in contact? Uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, so my handle is Sean Richard Wilson. Um, feel free to follow me on Instagram. Um, otherwise, I think I'll be doing a lot of live events here and there. So um, oh, yes. if I'm in, yeah, I don't know what they are yet, but um, if I'm coming to a place near you, please come out and say hello and I'm happy to meet with readers. I think that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to in this process is just to um, meet a lot of people and meet readers and talk books with people it's going to be really enjoyable so uh, yeah don't be Absolutely. shy excellent and like I'm pretty sure I'll put this all in the show notes but I'm pretty sure a firm press will put that all out where you are who you're talking to all the events that you're going to be at etc <laughs> yeah I think they will and I'll do my best to follow up and promote that as well Perfect. Excellent. Thank you so much for that chat today. And um, yeah, everyone better get their hands on Gemini Falls because it's, it's honestly, it's the most beautiful story. So thank you so oh, much. Thank Sean. you so much. <laughs> Thanks for the kind words and it's been really lovely to chat with you. Thank you.